We've got a new episode of Swings and Mishes coming up. For almost 50 years, All Year Cooling has been the place that keeps all of South Florida cool. Listen, it is April, and then you know, living here in South Florida, summer is coming, and you do not want to wait to have your system checked. You do not want to wait to replace your unit. You know how this goes. It gets very hot here, basically from the end of April into May and all the way through the summer into the fall. To give you an idea, 10 years ago, I called Tommy Smith at All Year. He is the owner. He's been the owner, he and his family, for decades. And I purchased a new unit from them. And here we are, 10 years later, I've had absolutely zero issues, and they have the best customer service of any air conditioning company I've ever used. In fact, I think I may have called Tommy twice personally in 10 years. I needed some help. And within the hour, they're at my house. They show up very professional they do a great job and then i'm good to go for months and months and years they're incredible in fact if you schedule a new unit installed before the afternoon they will come and put a new unit in your house in the same day no one in south florida can guarantee that they offer up to 60 month financing and remember i personally use all year cooling and tommy has been a personal friend of mine for over 10 years you call him you let him know you want a cool unit in your house this summer don't wait till june till it breaks down you have to do it now call 866-381-3554 or while you're listening to this podcast take your phone out go to their website allyearcooling.com click on the call now button you'll get connected directly to them and by the way my friend the owner tommy smith you can text him directly from your phone from the website right now and he'll set you up all year cooling is my personal place to go they keep my home cool they keep my family cool for more than a decade the number again 866-381-3554 Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to another episode of Swings and Mishes. I am your producer, Jeremy Taché, joined by, always, Craig Mish. And so, Craig, we're going to jump right into everything with the Marlins uh, because we're probably, for the first time this regular season in baseball, in a pretty positive state with the Marlins. Uh, They're coming off of a series win against Washington where they took two out of three. And then they split with Cleveland the last couple of days in Cleveland, um, got some really good pitching performances and a a couple of homers from from guys around the lineup. Uh, And that's in the process of firing Mike Pagliarulo as the hitting coach and bringing in Eric Duncan as the assistant hitting coach. So, Craig, what are your thoughts on all of this with the Marlins as they've sort of, you know, they've won three out of five here? Yeah, they they played better for sure. A lot of it is based on the starting pitching that they have, which – is kind of what we thought would be over the course of the whole season. And the offense has been better in spurts for sure, but at the same time, it's still very early on to kind of gauge how things are going to move forward with the lineup that they currently have. And we'll dive into some of the players in their lineup too. But I definitely would go back to last week and we haven't had a chance to talk about it. In fact, we recorded the podcast and talked about the possibility of them making a change in the coaching staff. And then they did the next day. So that should not come as a huge surprise for those of you who download the podcast and subscribe. Those are the kind of things that you're going to get before they happen here. And for those of you who know, that's part of what I do with covering the Marlins. Now, I did not know that they were going to fire 
Mike Pagliarulo after the game the other night. Like, that I did not see coming. But, you know, look, in conversations that I've had, it, it's, it, 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 it did come up. And I thought that, hey, look, this, you know, kind of reminded me of the Cardinals a little bit last year where about midseason they fired their manager, Mike Buffini. But really what fans were frustrated with was their hitting coach, John Mabry, and their assistant hitting coach, Bill Miller. Well, they decided to do everything at once. Mm-hmm. And in this case, a little bit different, and I think a little bit interim based on what I understand, is that we understand Don Mattingly's contract will be up at the end of the year. I think the Marlins realized that some change was needed, and it wasn't Don Mattingly's fault. And so what they decided to do was change in approach. Uh, Pagliarulo, to me, was not a huge asset in terms of a hitting coach for the Marlins. And I do want to mention something specifically here because, fortunately, a lot of people in the industry and within the Marlins do listen to the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so there was one piece of detail that I did not tweet out last week that I felt like I should save for this. And so here it is. Uh, Last week, what I did was I basically reiterated what most people had told me, which was Mike Pagarillo is a very good guy, uh, but at the same time, more of an old school type hitting coach. Some players would use him. Some players didn't use him. It's not even worth really getting into at this point because he's gone, and I'm not going to uh, you know, just pour water on the guy now that he's gone. Uh, but somebody did point out to me and said, hey, look, everything that you're more or less saying is pretty much on point. It's part of the business. Team doesn't perform. Team doesn't change hitting approach. The voice has to go. There has to be a change. But don't underestimate what Pagley Rulo did for Giancarlo Stanton after Barry Bonds left in 2017. And huh. what I was told directly was, had it not been for Pagley Rulo in this one instance to get Stanton uh, very comfortable with his new stance and where he was in the batting order, he would not have gone on, and I was told this directly, he would not have gone on to win the MVP that year. He would not have had the season that he had that year. And then the kicker on the end here was funny. And we wouldn't have been able to trade him <laughs> at the end of the year too. So that, that was really something that I found interesting because without of those three elements, and you can laugh all you want, the Marlins could not have gone through this build or this rebuild without trading Stan. He's just right. making too much money. We can debate the other guys. We could go to Ozuna and Yelich and have fun for hours doing that. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is I think we were all in agreement here that paying somebody $30 million a season in a big league season for a long time, this player better be named Mike Trout, you know? Like, right. it, it better be named Mookie Betts. And, and that, yeah, there's – Manny Machado. There's a few guys that you can do that. And I don't think Stanton is one of those guys. Stanton's a great player, don't get me wrong. Right. But, but I wanted to, as, as they say, walk it back a little bit on Pagliarulo and give him the credit that he deserves specifically there and it just shows you that people are indeed, Jeremy, listening to this podcast because they told me that. And I want to make sure that I mentioned that as well. Now I'll get a call saying, who told you that? Who, who said that? But either way, that's part of it. So uh, Eric Duncan's here. Relaying information. Yeah. Eric Duncan's here. He's very highly thought of. I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet. I will plan on doing that for sure. And my guess is, is that he will make an impact with the big league team. Slowly but surely, they're bringing in their own people. That's not to say Jeff Livesey isn't, isn't a good hitting coach. I'm sure he's going to do a very good job as interim hitting coach as well. 
Uh, I don't know him personally. Things that I've heard from his Pittsburgh days are outstanding, very hard worker, et cetera. But, uh, you know, the results are going to be in the, in the uh, pudding here, as they say. <laughs> we right. have to wait to see what, what, how they hit. So long-winded answer there for question number one, Jeremy, and that's <laughs> where we're at. With, with well, that. I guess we can only hope, based off the information that you just shared, we can only hope that Duncan and Livesey have the type of impact that Pagliarulo had on an individual player with some of these guys uh, that are with the Marlins now. But, you know, we did see a shakeup in the Marlins roster sort of go hand-in-hand uh, with the change in hitting coaches, um, we saw Austin Dean get sent back down to AAA. They called up John Birdie, oh, um, which I, you know, you and I, as if anyone follows us on Twitter, they can find out how upset both of us are disturbing. about that. Um, yeah. And yeah, shame, you know, we had plenty of conversation about that. But um, in the meantime, you also have Lewis Brinson, um, and he's not really playing very consistently at this point, and he's definitely not hitting consistently. Uh, if you do look at his stats, he's, he's hitting 179. His OPS is at 464, 24 strikeouts and 67 at-bats. And, and there was a stretch there where it was, I believe, one for 27 and 16 strikeouts in that span. Uh, Craig, I know you've been able to get information specifically on Brinson from some sources with the Marlins. So what's the deal there? What's going on with Brinson right now? Right. First, let, let's just hit on uh, John Birdie real quick, who is being brought up to kind of play third base, play a little bit of a pseudo utility role. They really like what he brings to the table in terms of effort. I know that that is a, a big word that I've heard. He does have speed. Uh, I do believe that there is some talent there. I, I do believe internally they think more of him than I do. No offense to John Birdie. I don't know what he'll end up doing and how much he'll end up playing with the big league club, but they are looking for guys that are going to play very hard that are going to be able to run a little bit. I think they're changing their opinions a little bit as to how they should be running this team the rest of the season, going away from everybody just swinging for home runs, maybe the running and playing station to station a little bit, which is what they should have done from day one. I don't know why they thought that, that Peter O'Brien was going to hit 40 home runs. But, hey, look, that's a podcast we've done before. We're not going to do that again. Uh, okay, so Lewis Brinson. Here's the story with Lewis Brinson. So at this point, what, what I, from what I understand is that – and this could change pretty quickly. So let's, let's not just say that this is the ab, in absolutes with Brinson. But here's right. my understanding is that at this point right now where we stand going into the weekend series with Philadelphia – and, and, and this could change, is that Lewis Brinson is the Marlins' fourth outfielder. Now, before you freak out, here is the reasoning for that. The first reason, and I think maybe the most important reason, and maybe some people will agree or disagree with me, is that because they simply do not have anybody to call up. They have no one. They do not feel as though there is anyone that they could call up right now that is better defensively, and on the base paths in terms of running that can help them than Lewis Brinson can. And they do not have anyone with overpowering offense either. So that is kind of factor number one. If they had anyone in the minors, I think that they would send Lewis Brinson down and somebody else would come up right away. So that's factor number one. Factor number two is that this uh, new assistant hitting coach, uh, Eric Duncan, is with the big league club. And he is traveling with the big league club. And there is a thought process that they would like to get Brinson in with him and Jeff Livesey, but with Eric Duncan specifically Hmm. to assist him with whatever is going on. 
this is not that Eric Duncan is being brought in as the savior for Lewis Brinson, because I specifically asked that question. Like, is, this, is he here to save Britain? No, that is not the case. Hmm. It's just that he's there, and, and so is Brinson. So the next question that, that people should have is that, wait, these are all nice things to say, but it doesn't make any sense, Craig. Why wouldn't they just put Brinson with, by the way, his old coach in AAA, where he can get big league at bats, uh, and and or I'm sorry, minor league at bats, right. and play all the time. And I agree. I agree with you. I'm just being the messenger here and telling you what I've told. I don't think that this is the right way to go about it. I think he should be seeing some form of minor league live pitching every single day. And if that's at the expense of calling up another outfielder, whether it's Dean or anybody else, and I'm not saying specifically Dean because it's Dean. I should have used a different name. But, <laughs> but I, I'm, I, I think it is better for Brinson. And by the way, in my opinion, and it was not cracked back at me, in my opinion, this is sort of unprecedented. I've never seen a young player with so many struggles at the big league level be held so high here at the big – for what reason? What, I mean, why? I mean – We've seen enough at this point. Get the kid help. Let him play every day in the minors. But this is the route that they're choosing. I personally haven't seen it before, so I don't really know if it'll work or not. Hey, if it ends up working, I'll come back on the podcast in a couple weeks or a couple months and say they deserve a lot of credit for doing it this way, doing it different than a lot of other teams. For example, Cedric Mullins was a very well-high-thought-of player on the Baltimore Orioles to start the season. I could make the argument the Orioles are in a similar situation than the Marlins. Marlins are probably ahead of the Orioles by a year or two in the build or rebuild, whatever. Mm -hmm. Mullins got off to a tough start. Mullins is now down in the minors. Goodbye. Go fix yourself, and then we'll see you maybe in August and September. Right. I, I thought that's kind of where we were at with Lewis at this point. I will say this. He's answered every question that he's been asked. Mm -hmm. He's handled this as well as any pro could possibly – handle it in my opinion but I simply don't think that this is the proper route to go about it is having him in the big leagues even though there is no better player to bring up Jeremy I still right. think that there's nothing wrong with a reset triple a double a even single a I know it sounds crazy but look Miguel Sano was sent to simple a last, uh, single a right. last year too they tried to reset him also so I think that at some point that's the route and by the way I still think there's a chance in the next five or six days that they still do send Brinson down and all of this is for nothing but we're doing a podcast on this day we're updating you on this day Lewis Brinson is the fourth outfielder right now on the Miami Marlins it doesn't mean he will end up being better it doesn't mean he'll end up being worse that's where he's at he's not going to play every day he's working with Eric Duncan and for now that is the story he stays up with the Marlins he comes in the eighth inning as a defensive replacement maybe he'll pinch run that's 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 the answer I'm, I'm giving you so we talk quite a bit uh and we have a lot of conversations about all of this and we prep before the podcast we had not yet talked about this and i am just as floored as anybody listening uh i'm in the same position of of not necessarily understanding but putting faith in in the approach and saying all right i guess you know uh, theoretically this is what the Marlins uh, managers and coaches and everyone and executives is, is do. I mean, their, decision, their decisions. Yeah, their decision, uh, essentially, at least a big part of it, in my opinion, is that they don't have anyone else to bring up. That's part of the conversation. I personally don't think that should be part of the conversation. Right. Now, again, they may have more faith in Eric Duncan than, than anyone else. 
and we have to give them the benefit of the doubt for that. We also have to understand that nothing that they have done from last year to this year has worked. Nothing. I don't want to hear about how hard Lewis Brinson hits the ball anymore. (laughs) Please stop sending those tweets out. They don't matter. Okay? If he hits the ball five times out of every 100 and his his exit velo is 100, it doesn't matter because he doesn't make contact enough. Right. You can find if you can find these silver linings in anything that you want, but you got to look at the big picture here. Mm-hmm. And the big picture is, I think they have to save this kid's career. This is not just about this year. It's his career. And I do think that the right thing is to try and reset him in the minor leagues. But these guys are a lot smarter than me. And certainly just because I've covered the team as long or longer than anyone else here in South Florida, for the most part, I do have to defer to the experts in this situation and say, we'll check back in a week, a month, a year, and then analyze if they went about it the right way. And here we are. Well, at least the Marlins have pitching, huh? So (laughs) we talk about... That's good. Right. And that's uh, that's been good. I mean, that's that's something that we talked about going into the season. Uh, We hoped that a guy like Brinson would turn things around. Uh, We haven't seen it yet. We'll see if this sort of pays off. But... What we have seen is the Marlins pitching be successful thus far. Lopez and Alcantara against the Indians. Caleb Smith goes next. Uh, they rank sort of in the middle of the, of the pack in some of the standard starting pitching categories, but Fangraph and some other advanced metrics have them at, as a top 10 staff or better in all of baseball. Um, they're that good top to bottom. And, and you can also use their minor leagues as an example with the way that we've seen, you know, Zach Gallen or, even Jorge Guzman's had a good start. There's a whole bunch of different guys that you can name in the minor league system that have had good starts to their season and are, are good prospects. We haven't even seen Sixto Sanchez yet. Who do you think are the centerpieces of the rotation moving forward? I mean, we've seen the, the four young guys have all produced thus far. I mean, Urania had his best start of the season the last time out. Who are the centerpieces moving forward? Because we've already seen some success with the young arms. Yeah, it's interesting because somebody uh, brought up trades even this early in the season with the Marlins and, and I ended up hearing some stuff as far as that. So I'll get into it in a minute here. Uh, I could say pretty emphatically and I said it on Twitter probably a week ago that it is my belief that, that Caleb Smith at the very least is going to anchor this rotation moving forward. I think that they feel like he has the ability to be a number one starter in major league baseball, if not a number two. I think to this point, he has proven that. And I think that moving forward, he'll be on the club. I could see him starting opening day for the Marlins next year. I also think that Sandy Alcantara, because of his youth, because of partially who he was traded for in Ozuna, he was a big part of that trade. They feel like there is some significant development to kind of improve at who he is. And remember the age, circle that age, very young, 23 years old. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, pa- Pablo Lopez had a great start against Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Trevor Richards has some of the nastiest stuff in baseball for sure. Uh, Arania is not part of the future, but he is part of the team right now. So I'm, that's just factual. Right. So, so the, the question is, Jeremy, is that with, with all of the young pitching that you and Mike will discuss also in our little minor league review, and by the way, Tony interviewed – Braxton Garrett and with Zach Gallen and some of the young pitchers that are still in the minor leagues, you have to ask yourself, is it possible that the Marlins would explore at the deadline or maybe in the off season 
using some of these pitching assets to acquire hitting assets mm. that could speed up this process in the future. And I think that there is a chance of that happening. And I know that that's going to come as a shock to some people that they could trade Richards or even trade Pablo Lopez. Like, I'm not saying that it's on the table, it's imminent, or is definitely going to get done. But I would not be shocked if they decided, hey, look, we are just so – it's such a great position with pitching and in such a poor position with hitting. It is so incredibly stark. I've heard people even outside the organization say this is the best Marlins pitching staff from start to finish, from top to bottom in the history of the franchise. Oh, my god! Think about that for a minute, okay? That's, from, that, that's where we are right now with all of the youth that they have. But as good as that is, that's how weak it is on the hitting side. And so would I go out and buy a uh, Caleb Smith shirt, jersey? Yes. Uh, uh, Sandy, yes. And, and look, Pablo is one of my favorite guys, like, ever yeah. in the history of the game, too. And I would hate to see him move. But all I'm saying is, is don't rule anything out. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, the Marlins have always been, and Mike Hill, by the way, has always been the one that's going to say, you know, nobody is – nobody's safe and you know no one's you know you never know anybody could be traded we really like the guy but you never know we know how we feel about him right we heard that with right uh, yeah that's my favorite with, with real muto all off season so uh, this is not coming from an executive or someone in baseball that said hey the marlins are trading trevor richards tomorrow that is not the case all i'm saying is is that you cannot rule out the possibility of them having to move an arm to get some bats for the future because they simply don't have them in the minors the draft class that they had in 2018 is years away, guys. This is years away, and they're going to draft kids. And by the way, they're scouting right now for the draft in June. In all likelihood, the, their kids are going to be two, three years away again. So maybe the process is sped up by a bat or two next year because think about it, Jeremy. You can say what you want about Starlin Castro, but he's a Major League Baseball player that probably won't be on the team. They do right. not have a Major League Baseball second baseman on the team next year. Martin Prado will be gone. Mm -hmm. Neil Walker will be gone. Curtis Granderson will be gone. I mean, that's four guys already, Jeremy. Right. You know, right. like they have to have some bats on the team. How are they going to get those bats? They're not. I would hope they're not going to dip down to these one-year deals again, like they did this past year. They're not working out. Right. At least, at least in April. So. I just, I'm just saying, don't be surprised if one of these guys is not here next year. And the reason why is because they got to retool that hitting in the minor leagues. You're, you're, you're doing this thing today where you're just going to leave every Marlins fan or even baseball fan just pondering life's existence for the rest of the rest of, of the day because you were talking about keeping Lewis Brinson up, possibly trading you know, a, a Pablo Lopez or a Trevor Richards away. And, and it, it's understandable. And, it, and it's, not, um, it's not totally out of left field using a specific baseball pun. Uh, it's not totally out of left field to say, hey, you know, with the value that these guys are very clearly establishing, maybe you could get some, some good young bats back. But with what these guys have shown and with what this rotation, it, it's been the only hope for the future thus and, far. And it, and it will be the hope. And they, and they and I'm not saying that they would trade three guys. Right. But right. But you cannot rule out the – well, first of all, Orania, I think they would try and move as soon as they possibly can. If, if this guy rolled off three or four starts, they would probably – I think they would trade him as soon as possible. But you, you got to look at the big picture here. You cannot fall in love with players in a rebuild or players in a build. You cannot do that. And don't make the mistake of that because there's going to be players that are not going to be here when the team is going to be good. 
And I'm the first one to say, and I said it 10 minutes ago, that they have the best starting pitching maybe and, and, and pitching arms in the history of the franchise. Right. And so it only makes sense that if you have that as a strength, if, if your weakness is hitting, and by the way, this is not a weakness. This is, this is a zero in terms of the minor leagues. They don't have mm. any – outside of Monte Harrison, they don't have anyone right now that's ready to take that next step in baseball. So what is the answer there? Is the answer, oh, let's just keep the pitching, keep the pitching. Maybe till the end of the year, sure. But, look, this is an unfiltered podcast with, <laughs> with I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you what I hear. Sometimes I'll be on, on point. Sometimes I'll be wrong. People could get happy. They could get mad. But in the end, you're not getting anything that I'm making up out of nowhere. When I'm right. telling you things, it's coming from a place of, of interest. Right. Well, one thing I, you know, I do want to make of note here that is interesting when you talk about the four young guys that are already up. Um, there's always sort of a window with young pitchers in the, start, in, in the major leagues, whether it comes to consistency and success or also just staying healthy. And I think that's something that, you know, we saw in the National League East with the Mets. They made one World Series run with that group of four young guys before Matt that's Harvey totally yeah. fell off. Jacob deGrom has stayed healthy, but now, you know, there are questions there. Noah Syndergaard ultimately got hurt. Zach Wheeler was always hurt. Steven Matz was inconsistent. You had this hope for those specific guys, not necessarily anybody underneath them. This Marlins rotation right now reminds me of, as we were starting to talk about that group. But by the time the hitting caught up to the pitching there, they had one year of that actual group. The Marlins tend to have a lot of depth here. And so to fall in love specifically with just the forearms that are there right now, that's what you're talking about is not to fall in love with the specifics, but more the concept of there's pitching depth. So it might not be the four names that you're looking at today, but it's, whatever four or five guys are in this system and peak when the offense also peaks that will allow the Marlins to hopefully make their stretch run of, you know, two, three, four, five years in the playoffs, whatever it might be. Yeah. They'll, they'll of, still, they'll still be able to spend more money next year. I would assume than they did this past year because Prado's money will come off the books and so will Starling Castro. So there right. is a way to do that, but I would anticipate going into next year with them having a different offensive plan. And the only way that that's going to happen is if you have better players. Right. So if there, maybe their way is free agency and they decide, Hey, look, we'll keep all this pitching depth from start to finish. Maybe that is indeed the case outside of Arania. I do not think Arania will be back next year. Right. But, but, but I do think that you have to ask yourself if the Marlins and I'll uh, traded Richards or traded Lopez uh, and I don't think that they will, but let's just say that they did, and they mm -hmm. traded them in July to, to some team that's trying to compete for a pennant, and they got back one of their top-hitting prospects in Major League Baseball for one of these players, and you inserted Zach Allen, you know? Like, right. I mean, is, is any, I mean, you'd be upset for 10 minutes, but <laughs> maybe, maybe Zach Allen ends up better than these guys. It's possible. Right. Maybe in a few years – and it works way, way away from it, but Garrett or Holloway or Edward Cabrera mm -hmm. or, or any of these guys in the minor leagues, they, they really have so much there. All right. Let's not forget let's, about Sixto. And, and Sixto <laughs> Sanchez too. I almost right. forgot about him. Sixto right. Sanchez. 
But look at what Gio Gonzalez has just gone through. So you're yep. t- and, and what he's getting paid. You're telling me that the Marlins couldn't just sign one of those guys next year to hold down the fort, front the rotation for another year yep. while they add some hitting. It's, it's a shame that the hitting hasn't worked out to this point, and I think that'll be a big focus of the draft. But whoever they draft, Jeremy, and this is still not going to be ready for two years. And I think at this point, you can't go into 2020 with the plan of losing 100 games. I think they can still be a losing team again. I don't have an issue with that at all. In fact, if they have the number one pick overall in this year's draft, I don't care. I've said that. It's just the way that you lose 100 games. But I think that 20 has to be a year where they're, you know, winning 70 games, you know, or 75 games. And then 2021, I think at this point, would be the year that they would try to compete because at that point, you have Chen off the books. You have all this money. You have all this development with the pitching and then hopefully at the hitting. But, Jeremy, there's just no hitting on the horizon. They're going to have to find a way not to get one hitter but to get, like, multiple hitters going in this organization because we're just seeing the same thing night after night at the big league level. And, by the way, we're seeing this night after night at the minor league level for these pitchers. Right. They're all winning one nothing, 2 nothing. They're having to scratch out hits even at the minor league level too. So – uh, that kind of summarizes where we're at in terms of the organization and me don't have a huge problem with any of it. <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, happy with the way things have gone. And, uh, you know, I know that it's been a bad season to start with, but inevitably I think they made one positive change with trying to change the mm-hmm. hitting approach and we'll kind of see what happens moving forward, but they have played better over the last week or so. That's a good sign. All right. At least they've won three of five. And now, Mike and I will dive into some of the prospects that we just talked about, including Zach Gallon, and even sort of a way to maybe get him up to the bigs at some point in the near future. So uh, keep listening here as I will be back with Michael Sunbeak to discuss all things Marlins minor league baseball. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But first, we've had a lot of inquiries about how you can contribute to the Five Reasons Sports Network other than just giving us money, which we'll certainly take, or being a podcaster, and I have too many bad ones already. So here's <laughs> an idea if you want to get involved with us, and it goes beyond our new website, fivereasonsports.com. We are looking for sales representatives. Why? Because we have a lot to sell. We sell ads on our podcasts. We sell ads on social media. We also are selling sponsorships and banner ads on our website. So we got a ton of inventory to sell. We are credentialed with all five teams down here. We're fully established and we just want somebody who can go out into the community and sell that product, sell Miami sports by Miami for Miami to the South Florida community. So if you want to get involved, here's two ways that you can contact us. One is by going to Skolnick at five reasons And the other way is going to Jorge J O R G E at FiveReasonsSports.com. Reach out one of those two ways, and we will get back in touch with you and tell you how you can help and how you can make money. And now I'm joined by Michael Sunbake. You can follow him at DutchBake on Twitter, uh, spelt Dutch Beak. Uh, because he likes to pronounce things differently. Uh, and Mike joins us for the first time in a while. We're going to chat some some minor league baseball. But first of all, Mike, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us today, man. Happy to have you back on. I missed your voice, and I missed the Mish's audience. Yeah, just uh, just whispering sweet nothings into your ear via this Zoom conference call. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so we're going to talk some minor league baseball for the Marlins. Uh, that's sort of kind of the crux of this this rebuild here uh, for the Marlins. So sorry, build. Um, but the big three guys that that have been 
the focal point of the conversation uh, as we've entered this season so far on the minor league level have been three guys at the AAA level if we're really going to, you know, talk about production thus far. And that's Zach Gallen, Isan Diaz, and Monte Harrison. Uh, Diaz and Harrison, as most of you know, were a result of the Christian Yelich trade. Zach Gallen was the other pitcher other than Sandy Alcantara in the Marcelo Zuna trade. So the two more impressive guys have been Harrison and Gallon, which is exciting. Harrison uh, has two homers in his last four games. His OPS is now up to 1,053. So that's 1.053. You don't often see a lot of guys with an OPS over 1,000. Uh, and on the season, he's got three homers. He's batting 327 overall, eight RBIs, nine walks, which is good to see, and a few stolen bases. Uh, and then Zach Gallon has been literally unhittable. I mean, he's been the best pitcher in minor league baseball thus far. 25 and a third innings pitch, 12 hits, one earned run, four walks, 31 strikeouts. That's a .36 ERA. So, Dutch, who's been the most impressive player in the Marlins' AAA level? I, I will say the overall farm system just because they're already up to the AAA level. Who, who's been the guy that you've been most impressed with thus far? I think it has to be Gallon, simply because Harrison's still a little bit of a small sample size. I think he's only played like 13 games so far. Mm-hmm. And like this gallon runs, run reminds me of the Paddock run that year when they traded him. Mm-hmm. When he went like, what was it, like 20 innings without a run or something like that? It was something insane like that. I can yeah. look that up now. I, so I think it has to be gallon. I mean, his, his uh, based on balls, percentage is crazy low. His K percentage is up, I think, up 11, which is like, a whole, I think it's like one strikeout more than it was last year. So it has to be Gallon right now. He's improved basically everything. It was twenty-one and two-thirds innings. With that, yes. Yeah, where he had a uh, he had a shutout streak of twenty-one and two-thirds innings, and you know, we obviously see how he's faring in the major league level now. I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, what Gallon's doing is like next level, uh, and I don't mean next level like the major league level. I, I what he's doing is like. And he said it on our podcast. It's the best start he's ever had to a season. Mm-hmm. Regardless of Little League, you know, college, anything, uh, it's pretty impossible to, to start a season with 31 strikeouts and four walks while only allowing one earned run in 25 innings. I mean, it's, it's impressive. But it is nice to see Harrison sort of um, not necessarily turning things around. He had a good year last year. But to start so hot when it, it sort of feels necessary um, – given, you know, the, the stakes at hand with a prospect like Monte Harrison, considering how the offense at the major league level has fared thus far, uh, to see Harrison starting so hot is, is a good thing. You know, we were talking before we got started about sort of the podcast, uh, not the podcast, but the prospects at the next level um, or, or the levels below AAA. Um, and we were talking about a few different guys and, and had mentioned some of the other hot starts that have happened at the single A level, double A level. But, you know, there was one guy that you were talking about that you were excited to see that we haven't seen yet. You know, do you want to expand upon that a little bit? Obviously, a six of Sanchez, because I think the 20th prospect in baseball right now. And he's obviously the most talented, no matter what Zach Gallon has done, how impressive it's been. He's, six of is going to be the most talented arm in the system and probably their most important arm in their system so it and he's 
probably we can probably see him maybe in September. Yeah, if I mean, things I'm... go right, mm-hmm. if if he, he can be healthy and have a good year in Jacksonville, we can maybe see him in September. Yeah, I don't think it's impossible. Yeah, so I think he that that's someone I'm very excited to see because um, we've seen the pieces of that trade already produce right. Stewart and his system of Alfaro has probably been the best player on the Marlins this year. If you, like, I think there's a, actually a really good case. So yeah, that that's someone I'm really excited and someone I'm excited to see just to see if he can maybe turn it around is Colick, wherever he is. <laughs> where, 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 if someone can find Colick for me, <laughs> please, because we can't give up on him yet. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It is exciting. It is exciting to say, you know, that I, um, the pieces of the JT Romuto trade do seem to be uh, producing immediately. I love Will Stewart. Like, I think I the little bit that I've seen of him, and I love his mechanics. Like, he is just lanky and using all of his length to be, and I don't say length, I'm saying length. He's using all of it to just distract hitters. And I, I really like the way he, he looks thus far. And then obviously Alfaro, you know, he's been their best power hitter. That's for sure. There's no mm-hmm. argument there um, at the major league level. Um, all four of his home runs have gone to the opposite field. Right. Which is talk about a, a solid approach, right? Yeah. I mean, that guy's got raw power and he's sitting and letting the ball travel, which is, just wonderful to see, to be honest. Um, so you mentioned that Sixto could be a guy that we could maybe see in September. Obviously, Harrison Gallon and Diaz are a few other candidates to be called up at some point this season. But there's sort of been an ideological conversation that's existed sort of within Marlins Twitter uh, as it exists. And it's sort of been, you know, do you call up those guys sooner rather than later? Or do you wait until maybe some of the guys that are starting for the Marlins, whether that be in the rotation, someone like Jose Urena or, you know, other guys on the Marlins or maybe possibly dealt come deadline time um, or even a little earlier, you know, what would you prefer to see? Do you prefer to see these guys sort of waited out, continue to produce at the minor league level, or have you seen enough? Do you feel like, you know what, these guys can help produce for the Marlins at the major league level. We need to get maybe some wins or at least see what they are you know, right off the top? I think it's, you should call him up. I think you can get, you should definitely get Gallon up. I mean, he pitched last year in AAA. You're right. He's produced at the AAA level before. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, he's back and obviously hot. So with him, it makes all the sense in the world. But with Harrison and Diaz, where do you sort of see, see things going from there? Obviously, you know, Starlin Castro is your everyday second baseman. The outfield, obviously, there's there's kind of some, you know, there's some room for improvement or consistency in the outfield that Monte Harrison maybe could provide. But, you know, on the other hand, do you want to make sure that he's producing at a consistent level at AAA? And this isn't just a hot streak, sort of like you mentioned. It's only, you know, 13, 14 games uh, mm-hmm. for Harrison thus far. I'd like to see him up mm-hmm. solely because, I, like you said, the outfield just needs the help. Mm-hmm. It needs and and the the lineup just needs another bat. Like, so I think Harrison. If you give him a week, two more weeks down there, see where he see if he can keep this up for two weeks. I don't see why you don't make that move, because Isaac Galloway's been good mm-hmm. this season for them. But 
when you need power, that's not well, the guy. Yeah, I mean, that's, what, they, that's what they've been missing out. since Cooper got hurt. Is, yeah. is that power in the order? I do love that Monte Harrison has primarily led off at AAA. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's that's a creative way to attack a lineup is to put a guy like that who obviously he has a few stolen bases, but he's gotten on base a lot and, you know, can wreak habits on the base bats as well as theoretically lead off with homers. I mean, it's it's kind of like the George Springer model. Of, yeah, I, of I, love hitter. I love it. I love it. That's why. And I think if he gets called up, they should for game one lead off. Right. Monte Harrison. And so lastly here. Um, we're going to step away from the Marlins for just a second. We were having um, a conversation before the show about Vlad Guerrero Jr. He comes up tomorrow. Is this the the biggest hype prospect since Bryce Harper? I think we would say yes, but the question that, that you had was, is it more? And so now I'm going to flip that around on you. Is this a more hype call-up than even Bryce Harper when he came up? I mean, is the we've been watching his his clips since he was what 16 17 years old of him hitting like 400 foot bombs so uh, what do you think about Vlad Guerrero Jr. coming up and is it even more hype than than when Bryce Harper came up for the Nationals maybe just because of the name okay the name recognition yeah but yeah I would probably say I just think I think it's funny that the club manipulation's over then right he he got the extra twenty games, right? Thirteen games, and so still he, he he's ready. But I think this is more anticipated than Harper. I can I can see myself on Friday. I think that's when he's playing Friday. Watching, yep. Yeah, I can see myself pulling up the Blue Jays game and watching that game. If I could, if get me to watch a non-Marlins game on my like <laughs> to, to evolve my day around watching a non-Marlins game, right. then yeah, I would say it's more. Uh, yeah. More anticipated than Harper. And like you mentioned, we've been seeing the videos of him hitting bombs. It's kind of like it's kind of like Zion Williamson yes. in baseball. You're just like we've seen Zion videos since he was fourteen or fifteen and now we're gonna see him in the NBA and you know, we've kind of been seeing these uh Vlad videos for uh, a long time. Yeah, that's a really great comparison actually. Um and hopefully when Monte Harrison does get called up. He produces in the same way that Vlad is capable of. Uh, And so that's going to be it uh, on this segment of the show. We have an interview coming up next. Um, Our own Tony Capabianco. I hope I did not uh, butcher that last name, Tony. Uh, But Tony interviewed uh, Braxton Garrett out at Single A uh, in Jupiter. And so we will have that after this brief break. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us here on Swings and Vicious. Thank you. The first thing I want to ask you about the ping pong tournament. It was brought soundcast on like every single person's iPhone. Yeah. You beat minor league champion. You beat Garrett Cooper. You sparked a revolution. Yeah. How was a? Uh, what was that whole like atmosphere like? That was awesome. I mean, that was a lot of fun. I've been playing ping pong for a long time. My dad bought us a ping pong table, me and my brothers. And uh, I kind of got away from it towards the end of my high school career. And then I had surgery and they, once the new ownership came, they brought the new ping pong table or brought it back out. And I had a year's worth of practice. So um, that was just so much fun. You know, all the players, we, we all play each other and you know, Dick Scott put it up, put it up on the board that we were going to have one. And everybody was coming up. You know, hey Braxton, 
know that ping pong tournament's coming up, and er, like everybody's kind of hyping me up, and I'm like, listen, there are like three or four guys in here who can beat me. Yeah. So, so there, were, there was a lot of, a little bit of nerves going into it. Will Stewart was like first guy that was like in your corner mm-hmm. through the celebration. You guys are teammates for the first year, but before that, you got like this like Sonic and Knuckles type rivalry. Right. I've heard his side. Was he familiar to you when you guys were in high school? I knew. So Will was a grade above me. Um, I faced his high school, Hazel Green, my junior year when he was there. So I only got to play against his team his senior year. But I knew of him. Um, you know, the whole team in high school, you know, they have this guy, you know, Will Stewart, who's good. And luckily, he never pitched against us because he would have dominated us. But, yeah, we definitely both knew of each other. And um, once I found out he was getting traded over, it was really cool. I've tried to pick up a lot from him, especially his changeup. That's the main pitch I've been working on. His is fantastic. So, you know, I always give him a little grief. I'm like, listen, are you going to teach me your changeup or what? You have to teach him something too. Like you got a nice we, curveball. So we, that's what he says. Every, every time he, every time he, uh, I say something about the changeup, he says, "If you teach me your curveball, I'll right. teach you the changeup." So maybe I need to ditch Jordan Holloway as a throwing partner and grab Will. Tough negotiations there. Yeah, I, I don't know if Jordan's going to be too happy about that. Although the only thing, like blood's thicker than water, but stitches are thicker than blood. Guess, right. Because right? you guys, you and Holloway are like brothers almost and through rehab. Yeah, I mean, we've been rooming together since the start. You know, he had surgery five days before I did, and we've been rooming together ever since, even through the, this uh, past offseason. Was Tommy John your first surgery? How was, like, how was the, the lead up to that? You know, you know, all us pitchers know of Tommy John, and you know everybody talks about the recovery. So it's a long time, but at the same time, you know, I just tried to be as positive, positive about it as I could, because um, they say you know the the elbow surgery. I don't know. Some say it's a little bit better than having shoulder surgery. So you you just kind of have to find the silver lining in everything, especially as long as we're going out at it um, with that recovery process. You got to find the positive in everything. Even with even like the prospect of just having surgery. Period. Yeah, I mean at that part. At, at that point, at that point, you're just like, I mean, I'm having it. Well, I mean, you can't do anything about it now. So, like I said, you know, it, it, it stinks that you're having surgery, but it's like, hey, if I, you know, go through my rehab the right way, you know, throw the right way, everything's going to come back the same. It's just about working hard. That's the longest I've gone. Since I've started playing baseball way back whenever that was, that's the longest I've gone without playing in a game. I mean, I saw, you know, after my first start, there was a tweet. It was like 600 and something days since I'd pitched in a real game. And that really opened my eyes. I was like, man, it's been that long. So that was definitely the hardest part. Um, With everyone playing, like Jordan keeps up, would keep up with everything and everybody like on the MILB app, but I couldn't do it. Just be, not. I loved I, when people told me about you know Dustin Beggs and all those guys who were doing so great. You know, I'd text them and talk about it, but it wasn't anything that I would go and look up just because a little bit of jealousy. I'm like, this guy's playing, I'm not. I've told a lot of people I don't have any hobbies really. I don't hunt or fish. I just compete. This is this is what I live for. Monday was like the last start or the first start where you went over five innings, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they're just they're just like working you in there a couple four innings. Outings at five. How has that been for you going, like, just like getting your fuel back? It's been fun. Um, I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I'm competing again. It's just a blast to be able to pitch. I mean, I, I told, you know, our, our staff um, coming into the season, you know, I want to be successful when I pitch, but 
the main goal is just to make every single start. Just because I, it's the, I've been, you know, going through rehab this whole time, and if I can just get through a season, and learn and learn, you know, that'll just be great. You guys have a really interesting team because your whole rotation are among the top thirty, and you got Victor Victor Mesa. What's it like being his teammate? Victor? Yeah, it's been good. Um, I I like to mess with Victor. He because you know the. The slang for what's up in the Dominican is KLK. I said that to him a while back, and he said no, because that's not the Cuban way to say it. It's oh, yeah. Kebola, I said it. So we, we always have this thing. I say that to him. And, uh, you know, we just have this funny inside joke we have. But it's been good. Um, he's, he's learning more English, and, you know, it's also cool just to see all, all the people that come out to see him. He started to open up a little bit more as the season's gone on, and it's nice to finally get to know know him a little bit more. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you.